it's pretty boring here. Because of the pandemic, most things have been canceled. Have, we don't have large gatherings. We don't have festivals. We don't have anything. It's the same old story around the world right now. No parties, no meetings, nothing. A lot of people work from home. And if you don't work from home, you, know, you go into the office, but you don't socialize with people at all the same way that we used to socialize. If you have to go shopping, you, you run into a shop and then you get out as fast as you can. But hang on, this is Sweden. This is the country of no hard lockdowns, no masks, voluntary social distancing. The Scandinavian nation of less than 11 million, where the government's popularity is through the roof because they buck the trend left primary schools open, restaurants and shops as well. Stockholm feels like a parallel universe, where life, as we all once knew it, continues as if unchanged. Only the elderly and the vulnerable are in lockdown. For the rest, it's life pretty much as normal. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly, and today the detail looks at how this nation of 10 million has tackled COVID-19. It's one of the worst possible outcomes you can imagine. They should have had zero deaths, and yet they've got 6,000 deaths. We've got 24 deaths. We have much more poverty in this country. We don't have many households where people live alone, and yet we've succeeded where they've, to me, been an outright failure. So why are millions of Swedes backing the strategy and others around the world raving about it? It looks like the world we lost. Cafes and restaurants full, people relaxed, no face masks, no panic. I have to say, honestly, I'm glad I'm here. I would say they're pretty much hands-off here in Sweden as opposed to hands-on. Yeah. You feel safer here than you would back home. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. So I'm kind of proud about the way we've handled it. And is herd immunity really its ultimate aim? It just became this monster where you do see people in, in different countries, particularly the U.S. and the U.K., who are saying, oh, well, Sweden did nothing. They had a herd immunity strategy, so we should do that too. And this is a very, very dangerous misinterpretation of the strategy and what Sweden has done. Rachel Irwin is a researcher at Lund University in Sweden, and one of the things she's been looking at is the way the international media has covered Sweden's handling of the pandemic. Yeah, so we are seeing a rise in cases. It's not quite as dramatic as other places. I mean, I think, I think actually France and the UK are both quite dramatic in the past couple of weeks. The other thing, though, is that COVID has never been spread throughout the country evenly. So the main rise has been in Stockholm and Uppsala. Uppsala is just north of Stockholm. To some extent in Skåne, which is the region where I'm living, there's also um, a rise in cases. But there's other parts of the country that are not seeing a rise in cases or are quite stable. And when you say, you know, it's pretty boring there because people aren't, aren't getting out and about, they're, they're staying at home and, and avoiding going to places where there are lots of people. Is that a, a voluntary thing or are there any actual rules in place? There's certain, certain measures that are voluntary and certain measures that are compulsory. Most of the voluntary measures are directed at individuals, and most of the compulsory measures are directed at commercial spaces. Restaurants, shopping malls, stores have an, a legal obligation to avoid crowding. And so that might be something like they have to rearrange their tables so there's a certain distance apart, or they have to rearrange the shop floor to avoid crowding at the entrance. 
we have a set limit of no gatherings of more than 50 people for public gatherings. And even though it only applies to public gatherings, the idea is that people also accept that as a limit on their private gatherings as well. So legally speaking, I could have a party in my apartment with 50 people or more, but I wouldn't do that because my neighbours would never talk to me again. And are people following this voluntary social distancing, are people pretty good about it? Because what we're hearing in places like the UK, like, for example, I think in Liverpool, there was this this big party the night before lockdown where all these young people mm-hmm. got together and, uh, you know, it was like bugger COVID, we're having a good time. Is, it, is that not the case in Sweden? Well, we haven't because because we never formally locked down or put any formal measures in place. So there was never that kind of let's have a party before the lockdown. But there has been some evidence of students having larger parties than they should have done in connection with universities. There was a very popular Swedish influencer this summer who had a large party, which turned into a public debate with our um, with one of our ministers who thought that she was really irresponsible because she was. So what I'm getting at is I think that absolutely not everyone is following 100% of the rules all the time. And I think that's part of the reason why we have seen a rise since the sum- since our summer. So mm-hmm. now that we're heading into our autumn, people are slacking off a little bit more. But I also think that because we've started to see this rise in cases, that it was sort of a reminder to people that, oh, wait, we, we can't slack off. Like, we have to keep following the restrictions. Do you have a COVID app where, you know, you go to a shop and you sign in, so you record your visit? No. So there's no tracking and tracing, really? Contact tracing is done on a, um, on a regional level. If you have a po- positive COVID test where I live, you get a phone call usually from a, from a nurse or a public health professional, and they sort of walk you through what you've done the last 14 days to kind of figure out where you probably got it. And masks. In fact, people are being discouraged from using them. Not a face mask in sight. The government doesn't recommend them. And Swedes follow expert advice. I I think that some of the language I've seen in the media around this is a little bit misleading. Um, I've seen some reports that Sweden is actively discouraging masks. And I wouldn't say that. I would say that it's more accurate to say that the Swedish authorities do not recommend masks in most cases. So it's not that they're actively going out and saying, don't wear a mask. It's more that they're saying, we don't recommend masks in a community setting for the most part. The strategy behind this, correct me if I'm wrong, is about building herd immunity. Herd immunity is this notion that if enough of the population gets exposed to COVID-19, then that will serve as a bulwark against further population infection surges of the virus, protecting those who have not previously been infected. That's absolutely not the case at all. It's not. No, Sweden does not have a herd immunity strategy. I can walk you through how this has come to be. Mm. It's a long and winding story. So I think what happened was that in early March, the former state epidemiologist made the comment in a Facebook post that she thought the government had a herd immunity strategy or they were going for herd immunity. And then a mathematician also made the same sort of claim in a YouTube video. And I think it kind of like brings up this rhetorical question. How did a Facebook post and a YouTube video somehow lead 
or become evidence that Sweden has a herd immunity strategy. And so taking up that, um, some of the critics of the government wrote a series of debate articles in one of our largest newspapers, also saying that Sweden had a herd immunity strategy, but there wasn't any evidence for this. And the logic of this was that Sweden is staying open in order to promote herd immunity. But part of the reason why Sweden in large part stayed open or didn't have compulsory measures is because many of the compulsory measures that other countries have implemented are not possible under Swedish law, at least not during peacetime. I mean, the public health agency will say, we are relying on voluntary measures because we think that they'll work just as well. We haven't shut down the whole society. Uh, if uh, authorities would recommend that, we're, we can make that decision. But it's even better if we can get normal people to actually act sensible uh, and use common sense to actually have a society working. So it's a really nice thing to say, too. It's nice to say to the Swedish people, we trust you, we think that you're going to do a good job. Mm. But I think also part of this is the fact that many types of lockdown-type measures simply aren't legal, so it wasn't even an option. But couldn't they bring in laws to make it legal? Yeah, absolutely. They absolutely could. And there was, we have uh, this law called the Communicable Diseases Act, and in the spring, Parliament passed some extra measures that would have allowed for closures, at least on a limited basis. Um, but at the end of the day, they never used this temporary amendment and the amendment expired. The prime minister has been very clear saying to the Swedish people, look, if you don't behave, there will be more measures. Going back to the question around herd immunity, I do understand in part why there has been confusion, because I think what's happened is that some Swedish officials, people from the public health agency have discussed the concept in different interviews and press briefings, and they've discussed it via email. But there's also this difference between a concept and a strategy. Um, and anytime officials have been asked about herd immunity, they've always been really clear that there's a lot that we don't know about the virus because it's new and there's a lot we don't know about immunity. But besides all of this, I think that the international media has really run with this idea that Sweden had a herd immunity strategy. It's a high stakes move toward herd immunity to slowly spread the virus through the healthy population. Sweden in the time of COVID-19 has two very different faces. One is normal, fun, almost carefree as happy groups enjoy the sunshine. It just became this monster where you do see people in, in different countries, particularly the U.S. and the U.K., who are saying, oh, well, Sweden did nothing. They had a herd immunity strategy, so we should do that too. It's easy to meet people who've embraced the official message of staying safe through personal responsibility. Tegnell drives Sweden's soft-touch approach. No lockdown to crush the virus, mostly voluntary distancing, allowing it to spread steadily through the population, in theory, building immunity to help slow it even further. And this is a very, very dangerous misinterpretation of the strategy and what Sweden has done. There's another face to this country, and it's twisted in grief. Sweden has had thousands of deaths, coronavirus deaths, especially early on. Sweden's most disturbing trend has been the vast numbers of people dying in care homes. It's been around half the country's total death toll. When that happened, did people not say, this strategy isn't working, we need to, to be much tougher? 
there's been a lot of problems with elderly care in Sweden for a long time. And ultimately, it goes back to reforms in 1992. We closed down nursing homes to visits quite early on, but in any case, it was too late. The, the deaths in nursing homes are less about the COVID strategy, and they're more about wider structural problems with uh, nursing care that have lasted for a long time. I think one thing that's happened with COVID around the world is that COVID demonstrates like, all these problems in every society. A lot of them have to do with inequality. But I, and I think, if anything, I really hope that COVID means that we're finally going to fix some of these problems in elderly care that we've had for years. How much debate has there been about the strategy? I mean, do people look at somewhere like New Zealand and think, that's the way we should have gone because New Zealand has had such a low death rate. I think what really what happened was when Denmark shut down, um, there was a lot of discussion, okay, are we going to do what Denmark did? Are we going to do what Norway did? It, it's one of these things where I think we, we hate being compared to the other Nordic countries, but we also compare ourselves to them. So there, there was like a lot of questions around why aren't we doing what other Nordic countries are doing? But I think over time, officials explained what was going on, um, explained why we were doing what we were doing. And I think especially now, and we've seen some countries have had quite stringent rules, that would be a bit much here. Why? Is that because of your culture? Why is that? I mean, apart from the fact that you say, you know, it's not in your laws, but why is that? In large part, especially during March, April, May, it, it was Stockholm that was really hit the most in comparison to other places. And there were places that barely had any cases at all. So from that perspective, I think we felt like a national lockdown simply wouldn't have, have made sense. We have something that would be called the right to roam in English. And it's the idea that you have access to the anywhere in the countryside within certain limits. And the right to roam is, in fact, in, in the Swedish constitution to go places. And this came up in the summer because there was a concern that some of our beaches would get overcrowded. But for mo most beaches are covered under the right to roam. In general, you cannot close a beach because beach access is covered under the right to roam and the right to roam is in the constitution. Mm. So I think that's also part of it. But it's also a mental, cultural aspect that's enshrined. And so overall... Is this being deemed a success in Sweden, despite the fact that there have been thousands of deaths? Yeah, I mean, I think it's neither a success or a failure. I think that there are certain things that have worked really well and then other things that absolutely could have been done better. It kind of goes back to this idea of, of almost of solidarity in Sweden, where we recognise that the government only has so much money. Consistent, long-term, consensual, this is Sweden's mantra, and at the heart of that is a commitment to the social contract, a contract that requires trust between people and national decision-makers. We in Sweden trust the authorities, and if, if, the, if the authorities say, stay at home, please, and work at, from home, we do that. So they didn't need to say, you have to go on a lockdown. The government only has so much capacity, so... We recognize that there's no way to have an absolutely perfect response because there's always going to be trade-offs. And I think in many cases, we're okay with the trade-offs that were made, but everyone wants reform in elderly care. Talking about the economy, because I did see one figure that said 
that Sweden's economy um, has shrunk by about 9% compared with, say, the UK, which has shrunk by 20%. Is that a reason to say, well, this strategy is probably working better than uh, in other parts of the world? I mean, the economy was never a formal part of the decision-making in the public health agency, partly because the the economy is out of their competency. So they make decisions based on public health, not on the economy per se. Okay, so Um, so that wasn't a factor in this decision? No. And your borders, are they open to anybody? Can you come and go? So Sweden's included in the EU-wide travel ban. So that means that for the most part, non-EU citizens or residents cannot come into Sweden in the sense that they cannot come into the EU. In Skåne, we had this other problem where for a while we couldn't go to Denmark, but the Danes would come here on weekends and they'd go out to restaurants because they could. They'd get their hair cut, they'd go shopping. And it was quite frustrating to for the Danes to say, you can't come into our country, but we're going to go to your country on the weekend and do everything that we can't do at home. That must be so very think, frustrating. So I think there's already a little bit of rivalry between the Nordic countries, but I think this kind of didn't make it any better. So can New Zealand learn anything from Sweden? Well, Auckland University epidemiologist Rod Jackson is pretty adamant. Uh, no, I think it's been an absolute failure. Sweden's a very special country in that there are 10 million people, but it's a large place. Uh, it's a very wealthy country. Uh, and something I knew nothing about until COVID was that 55% of Swedes live in single-person households, which is amazing. I mean, in the UK, for instance, it's like 15% or 17%. The reason why that's so important is that that's where most of the spread of COVID happens. In fact, you know, it's one of those countries that should have zero cases or they, they should have got onto this immediately and they should, despite having twice the population of New Zealand, uh, they should have got away with a tenth of the cases, even less. They should have had zero deaths, and yet they've got 6,000 deaths. We've got 24 deaths. We have much more poverty in this country. We don't have many households where people live alone, and yet we've succeeded where they've, to me, been an outright failure. They seem to be... Maybe not celebrating, but they do. It seems to me that they feel like they're doing the right thing, and they are kind of highlighting the fact yeah. that they have so much more freedom, and they haven't they haven't gone yeah. down the lockdown yeah. route, and it's and it's working. They're well, able to get on with their lives. Plus, their economy hasn't suffered as much as other countries. Well, is that true? I've heard the opposite. I've um, and I guess I'm not an economist, but um, my understanding is that their economy has suffered just as badly as all the countries around them. Um, And of course, the thing is, no country is an island anymore. I mean, they're not an island. But, you know, even when Sweden was still, still had its borders open, every country around it refused to have Swedes in their country. So, you know, so it's very difficult for any single country to stand alone now. And that's what, so they have suffered. And the other thing is, a lot of old people just refuse to go out. I mean... COVID-19 is circulating in the community. So if, if you're in your 60s or 70s and they're the people at the highest risk, every time you go out, you risk getting a disease that will kill one in 100 people in one month if you're 65. If you're 75, 
five and a hundred in one month. This issue of herd, herd immunity, immunity yeah. that was never actually the official government strategy. You know, they have talked about herd immunity. I mean, whether they explicitly said that our goal is herd immunity, but they made a decision not to lock down. They made a decision to let the virus spread through uh, the community. They were talking about 30 to 40% of people infected. Of course they were going for herd immunity. Anyone who says they're not is uh, disingenuous. <laughs> and, um, but, the, but what happened, of course, is that they were completely wrong. I mean, fewer than 10% of Swedes have had COVID. They got it completely wrong. I think it was wishful thinking. Could they have achieved herd immunity anyway? I mean, I'm also confused about the stories um, around that, that well, you have to have a vaccine for herd yeah, immunity. Well, uh, that's a really interesting question. The, the, the sort of standard um, view at the beginning of the pandemic was that uh, herd immunity uh, was going to be about 60%. There is a, there's this formula you can work out. Um, if, if you know the um, sort of infection rate, like the number of people that each individual will infect, there is the standard equation, and it, it comes out at about 60%. But to get to herd immunity, I mean, Sweden would have had to have had about 10 waves of what they've already had to get to 60%, and they've already killed 6,000 people. So how many more deaths would they accept to get to herd immunity? And then the other problem with herd immunity is now uh, there's quite a lot of uh, talk about how antibodies don't stick around, that basically the antibody that protects you mm. um, seems to disappear. So herd immunity is is at the moment a crazy idea because we just don't know. It's playing Russian roulette with your population. And Jackson says New Zealand is better off looking towards Taiwan as an example. Sweden has the ability to eliminate COVID, and they're stupid because they haven't. So we should forget about Sweden. Yeah, Sweden, Sweden is a complete red herring, actually. I think they've stuffed up terribly. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a rating so other people can find us too. For today's episode, our engineer was Jeremy Ansell and our producer was Alexia Russell with our associate producer, Jesse Chang. And thanks to Rachel Irwin and Rod Jackson. Mā te wā. 